0: Hello, this is Brian from Living in the End Times with Amos and X. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to follow us on social media. Give us a favorable rating on the podcast app of your choice, say CastBox or Podcast Republic. And most importantly, support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash endtimespodcast. That's patreo dot com endtimespodcast, one word. And thank you in advance. Back again. Back again.
1: With the quickness. Not really. Camp Cope. No, that was Cayetana, actually. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah. The, well, that you're it. Yeah, it's a split. So yeah, okay. They're homies. Uh, Cayetana's from Philadelphia. Ah, there you go. Yeah. But Cope, at Camp Cope's Australian, yeah? Yeah. They just, like, on their audio, on Camp Cope's Audio Tree Live, which I wasn't paying attention to the first time I saw it, apparently because Mm -hmm. the other band I really love Pine Grove, Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Georgia, the lead singer for camp cope was like talking up Pine Grove on that thing. And then, Mm -hmm. so anyway, that was cool. But they said that when they come to America and they hang out in Philly, they're like, everybody in Philly's like, you guys are, you guys are like a Philly band. So uh, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Uh All right. Good and stuff. Uh hope it to is who to sort of like put a little varnish on the horror that we're about to spit.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Or two
1: or yeah. Uh time is like getting denser and denser. Mm-hmm. Um, approaching
0: that singularity.
1: Right. Uh and like to that end, and I don't know shit about the movie specifically, but I know there's like it's personal, and so there's always some big time themes, but mm. I think it's more central. <clears throat> Maybe the first time since Memento 2000, but that his new one that we talked about doing a show mm. about, which we will, um, Tenet, yeah, which comes out on the 12th of August. <laughs> uh, it's like I might be too scared to go sit in a the theater with people i don't <laughs> I know i don't know if i don't even know if any of the theater i don't think any of them are open in this town we have to go right. to fargo which is okay but i don't yeah i almost want to go like on a Matt on a weekday so i don't yeah you know get the sickness or whatever um mm-hmm. yeah it's to that end like it's gotten scarier like there's some big report about how like 78 percent of covid People recover from it, end up with heart damage or something. Yeah, I think so,
0: and maybe other uh, organ systems too. But
1: right, the people who die, they find them full of blood clots a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this thing, like, I mean, it, it's nuts because Joe Rogan had um, Brett Weinstein, who's like a he's become sort of a right wing intellectual, dark web, quote unquote, mm-hmm. person, um, but he's like up there, like. Sp- he claims this is lab made and he's like staking his like he claims there's studies to suggest due to certain mechanical features of the the virus that it's lab made which i think is wow. that's fucking not, that's an insane thing to kind of like you know backstop I, I i mean i don't know i'm not reading the fucking white papers i assume mm-hmm. he's at least referring to something tangible that doesn't mean i don't i i'm actually not convinced at all that this was lab grown um in the way that they're suggesting because precisely for the reason that they they state which is like well i'm not sure his whole argument but to me it's like there's a trillion goddamn viruses all over the place and it's Mm -hmm. like we're going to get As the viruses evolve, we're gonna get ones that do shit like this that are Mm -hmm. low, um, low, low mortality, highly contagious, and have a long incubation period. Um, Mm -hmm. That was bound to happen. Right. Like Mike Davis has been writing about this shit since like for at least a couple decades. um, The monster at the door, and you know I'd mentioned this earlier, but that. Book that was kind of popular in a way um in certain circles uh called The Coming Plague was written in ninety five right. and they were talking right. about coronaviruses. Um so uh but it's just wild that like you know someone with Joe Rogan's platform is and I don't I'm not I don't necessarily mean Joe Rogan, but I mean Joe Rogan has brings on plenty of shitty guests plenty of times, but Brett Weinstein decided to like spit this thing that sounds like a goddamn conspiracy theory. It sounds mm-hmm. like it, at least, um, to 130 million people or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, however many people downloaded that particular episode to so maybe 40 million. I don't know. Everything's just sort of time is getting dense. Is where I started, but like mm-hmm. it's just getting fucking nuts.
0: Well, I think we were talking off mic to that point. Um, I was kind of off the grid for a for a few days this week, and so I'm sort of out of touch with a lot of stuff. But what I did see. Was the uh, the federal government, U.S. government, basically admitting that oh, UFOs are real? It's fine. We'll let you know all about this soon. And it didn't make a blip. Nobody cares. No one's talking about it. It's like it's not even a big deal. Um, and that's that's crazy, right? Or it just it's mm-hmm. it, it's symptomatic of kind of where we're at right. uh, in terms of media or ideologically or technologically or whatever.
1: Right. And the consp- some of the conspiracy theorists are claiming yeah. that like. Oh, this is like, is every, you know, everything's a psyop that they don't want to deal with. But even people on the left who aren't necessarily conspiracy theorists, like, oh, they're doing this to how convenient, like how convenient they're, they're covering up some technology that they have with. And it's like, wait a minute, you think it's convenient that they're going to have public Senate hearings about quote off-world vehicles not of earth origin that's not convenient that's very public and messy you fucking morons like um but yeah like literally literally no one was talking about that shit Mm -hmm. like um which is mind-blowing to me obviously i'm in aliens and shit anyways but no shame but like people for people who aren't to get that sort of I mean, that's the disclosure that's everybody's been waiting for for 60 years, 70 years. Mm-hmm. And it's here, and it's like, yeah, nobody took notice. Who um, cares? <laughs> like, the, the most, I think, you know, the sort of most generous reading would be more like the Pentagon waited for the craziest moment in American history and then uh-huh. just dumped it out so that they wouldn't have to talk about it as loudly, right. I guess. I don't know. Right.
0: But if that's the case, it's brilliant.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked apparently. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think, I mean, things are sort of obviously spiraling out of control. It's hard to really grasp how fucking insane this shit has gotten. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm speaking in general, but I'm speaking specifically about the fact that like, um, the 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 ev- all the money ran out and Congress didn't do anything Mm -hmm. and they're predicting what 30 million evictions in the next month if there's no uh, unemployment extension or rent moratorium continuance um, Mm -hmm. which there won't be I mean there won't be for at least a couple weeks probably and the money Mm -hmm. won't fucking get there I mean right it's one thing to like let's say they did something this week which they didn't um, you'd still be there'd still be a lag of probably three weeks right. at the v- absolute maximum best, um, which is bananas. Like, they Mitch McConnell, you know, I've been talking about this for a while, but like, he just goes in front of reporters and tells everybody to go fuck themselves every week. Um, but like, uh, the in the days leading up to the everything lapsing, somebody was like, Are you gonna extend unemployment? and he laughed he's fucking laughing in your fucking face like all of you us all of us mm-hmm. um at what point like wh- where's the line i mean mm-hmm. you know the 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 unemployment thing is the only thing holding the country together I, I i don't know if people realize that but like the only fucking reason every every city in town in this country doesn't look like Minneapolis, you know, the the day after George Floyd is because of that unemployment insurance boost. You take that away and there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Like there's literally not a country anymore. Sixty percent of the um on True and On they were saying that Yelp put out a report that sixty percent of the businesses that are closed for and like on their site that have reviews 60% of the ones that are closed and there's more that are closed, but 60% are permanently closed. Those are wow. permanent closures. And that's mm-hmm. all, we're just in fucking August. This isn't even mm-hmm. like December or something. Um, which is projected to be 85% of independent restaurants closing. Wow. We we don't do anything in this fucking country, but, you know, go out to eat and mm-hmm. make like, and make podcasts and shit. Like there's no <laughs> real economy you right. know, except for that like restaurant based food system, um, and you know, other sort of like normal logistical stuff. But like, I, I I just, this is like, this is an apocalypse. Like this is truly, we're, you know, no hyperbole. Like we're in the end of whatever the fuck just we lived in our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and that includes boomers basically. Mm -hmm. Um, like there's no, there's not gonna be a country left. We're gonna have. I don't know what it's gonna. I, I really, you know, my prediction machine broke as soon as they stopped giving a shit about pitchforks. I don't, I don't know where this leads. Um, I mean, you know, where it probably leads in the near term is what we've been saying that Trump's gonna try at least and postpone the election. Um. Mm-hmm you know even if we have an election it's fake i don't give a shit like it's not an election i mean even even in the most banal terms it's not an election when people are scared to leave the house cuz they don't want to get the a deadly virus or whatever like mm-hmm. an election in a pandemic's not an election in any proper sense so right but like furthermore like the means by which the battle you know where however this shakes out in terms of whether they do mail in ballots or um, I don't know what uh, what was the other, or do, an in person election or I thought there was. I know there's probably not another option, but I feel like there the verbiage was different. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the case may be, like I don't I don't know why anybody would like see this election as legitimate. I think right. that's fucking insane. Um, and that's not because I want Trump to cancel the election. That's just the math. I don't, I don't. What what's his motivation? You know, if he, let's assume he wants to win. If he wants to win, then he has no motivation to have the election on time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If he doesn't want to win, he still might not have a motivation to do that because he might win, and maybe he doesn't want it. Doesn't want the mandate to continue to not do anything, Um, which is all fucking bonkers. Like it doesn't. it doesn't hold with uh our reality like we don't have mm. we don't have the fucking framework for this
0: yeah it it does not absolutely no, none of this computes um so I don't think I don't think anyone knows what to do um in, including myself that's why i I was interested in the the alien stuff in particular because that struck me. I and this is the the great irony of the times we're living in. That struck me as the most authentic, real sort of story that I've seen, of <laughs> the news yeah, media or the government. Um, and again, whether that's actually true, it is real or not, I can't say. I delved too deeply into it. But uh, when, when we reached a point, sort of in uh, the sort of the functioning of our civilization, where the federal instance, we might have. You know, reports to give you an off-world vehicles, etc. And who cares? And it seems like the most authentic thing you've you've heard in the last six months. I mean, we're I don't know if we're through the Looking Glass now or at that sort of uh, event horizon or through it or whatever. But it's just um, it's just upside down world. It's bizarro. So
1: well, there's yeah, and there's no there's no con- conceiving of this. Like right. Chomsky was being interviewed on Democracy Now about like everything uh last week and he was like saying that basically like there's no real um there's no precedent for what's happening in the west in Mm -hmm. democratic countries in the whole history of democracy Like, like he pointed out something that you know some of us were commenting on, but most of the fucking left is so boneheaded that they don't even like grasp what's happening. When Boris Johnson, I can't remember what, what term they used. Um, remember when he like suspended parliament over mm-hmm. the Brexit vote? I can't remember. They, there's a particular term for it, but Chomsky's like, there's no press, like some legal scholar was like, there's no precedent for this in like all of British parliamentary history so that's like two three hundred fifty years um and then he gave a similar example for like what trump's doing some of the stuff trump's doing and it's funny because i had made this argument months ago on the show that um that trump is is the president but he's acting like a warlord Mm -hmm. and chomsky had the same read last week which was trump's acting like a tin pot dictator except that he's you know, the president of, um, you know, the most powerful country in the world. And so like Chomsky was saying, like, we don't know what's going to happen if Trump refuses to leave office, which is a reasonable possibility. He's like, Mm -hmm. he wasn't really arguing that Trump has the clout to be able to pull off a sort of a quasi coup, but He's like, well, what happens if the military tries to remove Trump from office and all these militia people start showing up at the White House and surrounding it to protect the White House? We don't know what happens then, Mm -hmm. Um, which is significant because I've been listening to Noam Chomsky for 20 years, like not as much maybe in the last few years. His output Mm -hmm. sort of declined as he's gotten older, but a a lot, like very – I'm very familiar with the breadth of his political thought. And I've never heard him talk like this ever, not even close. Right. Um, Which is just, you know, speaking more to like how, again, unprecedented all this is. Um, Yeah.
0: It's so unprecedented. I think he's grown a beard.
1: He has grown a beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, I it, never thought. Which I'd is see that weird because he lives in Arizona. I think that might be it. I wonder <laughs> if that's a quarantine <laughs> thing or he doesn't give a shit anymore. To say. <laughs> it could be.
0: Yeah, oh. I've been th- I've been thinking about that lately. Just how how influ- this is not what we we're going to talk about, but just how influential that guy in particular has been in my life and my sort of line of thinking for decades, as you point out. And I don't know what I'm going to do when he's gone. Right, and even if I haven't really paid that much attention to him lately it's i mean like you for several years now or a few it just feels like if he's not that voice isn't there i don't know what i'm gonna do right maybe i'll figure it out
1: well this was a sort of there there was a few years ago well i guess it was almost 10 years ago now but there became this like little micro beef between zizek and chomsky yeah and uh which zizek won because it it, it just it was very stupid like chomsky should have been way more careful about what he was saying i think like he was just making these very broad generalizations somebody mm-hmm. asked chomsky about zizek and chomsky just sort of derided all of like post-structuralist post-modern thought as kind of like yeah. this intellectual jerk off um and was equating it to like derrida and whatnot which is obviously oh like, yeah zizek well i think he was more pissed at derrida if i remember oh. correctly but okay um, either way, even if it was with Foucault as well, like those are those people are Žižek's like opposed to them m- more yeah. or less, um, yeah. and so Chomsky had written all this off, and then Žižek had responded to the specific points with specific examples of where, like, um, like if the, if the argument is that like they're they never want to talk about concrete things or it's blah blah blah. And Zizek was like, well, Chomsky supported the Khmer Rouge. And then after it was found out that the Khmer Rouge were a bunch of murderous gangsters, Mm -hmm. Chomsky didn't say, oh, I was wrong. He was like, well, that's all the information I had at the time. Which is like, he was sort of refuting Chomsky's own claim with Chomsky's own words as far as like whatever standard he was trying to hold Zizek at at all to. But it was just this massive generalization about like, which in previous comments, Chomsky was much more lucid about saying that like basically the the problem with French intellectual culture is that it's a highly corrupt and that but not specific to French intellectual culture also like American, you know, humanities disciplines are also very corrupt, which is sort of a shocking thing to realize or to hear at the time. But more, as I've had increasing exposure directly to these people on, on Facebook, like you can really see the the problems. But um, anyway, when that was going on, people were like taking sides. And I, yeah. I thought that was like, kind of stupid. Like, I, I don't think I think Chomsky was wrong, um, and it appeared to me that Zizek, you know, basically prevailed insofar as that even matters, which I don't think it matters that much. Um, but in, that, in the flux of that, people were like, well, who, who should it be? Like, who, whose side are we on? And I was like, the problem here isn't that. The problem is that those are the only two public intellectuals that we have. Right. The problem is that there aren't like 40 of them. You know, that we can sort of, then you could have like a rich intellectual culture where, um, you have a significant effort put into trying to refine points and clarify, like, I mean, I would argue, you know, given what we talked about with Baldwin and Fanon and so on, like, it did seem like in the, even maybe in the fifties and sixties, um, that was more of a real thing in America, Mm -hmm. in the West, um, And, but you know, this, it's probably just symptomatic of the fact that like the left has just kept losing for decades. Um, You know, like the, like that whole thing that Bannon's old canard about, it's not even, I don't know if it's a canard, but I mean, his, his position that like, he's like, i you know, basically follow Andrew Breitbart, which is that politics is downstream from culture. And, you know, I've talked in the show about what that actually means as religion, but, um, we don't even have that. Like Mm -hmm. Hedges is right to point out that all the ideology, that the new ideology is all coming out of the right. And it used to come out of the left. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't mean ideology derisively, I mean, political formulations that you can follow and sort of have a coherent vision for the future, um, And this is happening on the right, like a lot of, and and there's sort of a weird um, panoply of right-wing emergent new conservative ideologies dealing with all sorts of things. Like there's sort of, uh, uh, I mean, I'm saying this sort of tongue-in-cheek, but a kind of Catholic revival Mm. along the lines of like returning to the notion that um, Catholics should... Um, help the poor but you know keeping obviously all the pro-life shit that turned it all right-wing and that's how you get like the hungarian like right-wing hyper-nationalist nativist almost you know at least quasi-fascist if not full-on government providing a lot of social services and mm-hmm. increasing people's standard of living and shit like that um yeah even the, like I read this write up about these new right-wing ideologies and they were pointing to people like Mitt Romney who are backing a UBI. And I think even Marco Rubio kind of was hinting in that direction yeah. a couple of years ago or recently. <clears throat> and obviously there's all type. basically it's kind of like a right-wing backlash against partially the failures of the tea party and also kind of like the, the fake libertarianism that tended to predominate. Um, and that's, I see that, it, that scares me because um, people who write theory are the ones who write the future for better or worse, even if people mm-hmm. are reacting to that ultimately. And the people doing that on the left don't take responsibility for the fact that that's what they're doing. Not really. Um, And I, to be honest, I've seen it happening less and less. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked on, on the, on air about this, but like. I've definitely there's been this paradox of like the emergence of kind of a I don't know neo neo left uh post Trump among young people especially it seems like all the weirdos like us who um were there for like to be a leftist in two thousand eight was like pretty, you know, nobody gave a shit. Like politics right. was not really, we were truly those were for real like post quote unquote post political times Um, at least at the level of uh, bourgeois ideology and to try and like get something going on the left was really starting from zero. Um, And so if you were into it, like you're a kind of, you don't, you didn't have to be a zealot per se, but you kind of had to be a zealot at the level of commitment in terms of I'm going to do this and nobody's going to give a flying fuck. So I'm here cause I want to be here now that it's more fashionable and I don't, I don't, I'm not even saying that's a negative thing, but, um, now that it is more fashionable and more mainstreamed, a lot of the refinement and in terms of thinking, which, you know, perhaps I'm just being, these are rose colored glasses looking backwards, but I I don't see the same level of intellectual seriousness um, because maybe because it's completely mediated through social media as well. Yeah. So there's like this confluence of shitty forces. Right. Um,
0: well, and to that theory point, if I can just interject quick, um, I seem to recall even this is several years ago, a book around the turn of the century um, entitled the end of, the end of theory like period and it was i think uh someone in the liberal slash left making an argument about this whole theorizing cultural theory critical studies that kind critical theory cultural studies kind of stuff it was it was it's done for or we should stop doing that as academics we got to move on to more concrete sort of stuff um, and I don't know if that was in response to the critique of Chomsky and others or whatever, but um, I mean, I'm agreeing with you that I think that the point of the book was that this stuff either it should stop or it has stopped. And I think that's a good thing was an argument there, but I'm agreeing <laughs> with you that I don't think that's a good idea, ultimately, to just stop doing that kind of work.
1: So, no, it's a I mean, it, to me, it's just a harbinger of it's a canary in the coal mine of like, yeah, oh, fuck the left is like, right, because. It might seem I mean there's always I don't know, I don't know how common this is anymore, but like there's always been this question about like, oh, you're just doing theory or off in a ivory tower, blah blah blah, right. you know, which is I feel like we've put a lot of energy in this show into demonstrating how that's complete horseshit um that's mm-hmm. just intellectually lazy, like reactionary bullshit um it's it's liberal blackmail effectively. Mm-hmm that the only people who've ever been successful as revolutionaries were reading tons of theory, generally speaking Um, in, in, you know, at least in the, in the 20th century in the West, but it's, it extends far beyond that. I, those are just the things I'm most familiar with. Um, And that those two things are separate, but related. So, it like it's a stupid notion it what is stupid is the idea that you like read hegel and then that teaches you how to tactically start a revolution that's not the right. point right the point is basically you're break you know i'm and i'm saying this again slightly tongue-in-cheek but you're sort of breaking with the white man's logic paradoxically by using the highest moments of the enlightenment um in modern thought to um to break with the ideological constraints imposed on us by, you know, nation state cap Protestant capitalism, whatever, hmm. um, coming from someone who, you know, studied at a, uh, Protestant seminary, you know, it's the, that's the beauty of it. That's right. not a, that doesn't take, it doesn't subtract from, from it. It, it, you know, fortifies it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's like like even Verso's output, you know, if if we take this to be kind of indicative of something is much more it seems way more targeted at it it's more historical, which that's not a bad thing, but it's more historical and much more like quote-unquote pragmatic in terms of what they're publishing. And I, that's totally aimed at like DSA people. Mm. Um you know for better or worse i suppose but like what what i was having a conversation with a comrade last week about like kind of the, just not really even understanding what's going on on the internet at all like i i don't you know this is maybe old man juice or something but i just don't fucking get it like i don't understand the point of any of it like it it's all seems hyper manipulated and then the stuff on twitter which I'm, you know, I'm not on Twitter because for different reasons, but like, it just seems like Twitter is just sort of like, you know, as someone was pointing out, people trying to kind of outdo each other, be more mm-hmm. clever, have hotter takes, but it's all truly in a vacuum. Like they're all kind of right. talking to each other and that's it. Um, which like, would be productive like them just talking to each other is not a problem. The problem is like they're trying to take each other down all the time, it seems. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it just feels like very cynical media people.
0: Yeah. The only people that I'm aware of who are seriously into Twitter tend to be journalists. Right. So,
1: And like it feel one of the things I've noticed and this is kind of makes me really uneasy is. It seems like since Bernie collapsed, um, like Chapo, for example, which I still like lots of their stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it does seem like they don't have any purpose anymore. Sure. Like, there's no reason to even do this shit anymore. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, that's okay. Like, I'm not saying... Again, these are just sort of to me signals from the future, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a bad sign because that is a touchstone for a lot of sort of bourgeois people on the left. Um, but if they don't have any 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 pur- purpose beyond Bernie and almost no clarity beyond that in, at a certain level, then and and it just does kind of retreat into its own kind of critique factory. Then where I don't know, like I, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say, but like in the conversation I was to that, you know, along those lines in parallel, like I pointed out that what scares me the most about like these George Floyd shit and the uprisings is, or the people I think are the most dangerous are precisely those DSA Brooklyn people because they can do whatever they want. And when the shit goes down and the dust settles, they're not the ones who are going to get fucked as a result in retaliation. It's going to be poor, black and brown people. And they can say they're in solidarity with them all they want. But like short of speaking directly to how to mobilize in solidarity for real, it's all fucking jerk off. And I'm not that that's not specific to Chapo actually, but uh Chapo's better than that. But I'm saying that I think a lot of the kind of cosmopolitan democratic socialist tendency is will sort of run its course probably without doing much of anything. Um, Like Jimmy Dore has been just hammering AOC because they found this interview from April where she committed to voting for Biden without any, you know without attempting to exert any leverage or fight for anything Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's it all seems headed in that direction it all really does seem like ultimately careerism honestly i've always hated journalists i i mean like even like doing paid sort of quasi journalistic stuff like it immediately became clear like the people running these like publications even small ones are assholes i mean they're real pieces of shit they don't give a fuck about (laughs) you like yeah all they want is to sell advertising or whatever and maybe they have a little tiny political like intention but it's all bullshit like you'll hear i mean so chomsky's like manufacturing consent argument was basically that like yeah of course these people don't realize they're being Um, self-censoring because they wouldn't even be in the fucking room if they hadn't self-censored for a decade leading up to it and then matt taibbi tries to defend journalists in his sort of like revisiting of uh chomsky's premise as like well it's not like they're like he tries to get in all this minutiae in in the in the guise of supposedly Mm -hmm. being more factual or more accurate and it's like You realize you're scum, right? Like, I mean, you're a fucking hack, dude. Like, you're the best hack maybe in the mainstream media, but sure. you are still a fucking hack. Like, right. and I I don't, you know, this isn't about being superior. I'm just saying, like, these people are still carrying fucking water for mm-hmm. the establishment. Like, right. yes, so- Taibbi's good on Russiagate, but as soon as... George Floyd happened. He decided to go on a tirade. His like sort of, maybe it's overstating it, I guess, but it seemed like he wanted to go. He was going on a sort of a rampage about how prison abolition and defunding the police doesn't make any sense. And all that. It's like, who the fuck do you think Who asked you, dude? Like, do you think these people, when people talk about abolition, what I hope they realize that they're talking about is, overthrowing the system by force. That's how you get rid of the prison industrial complex. There's nothing short of that. But for him, it was like, oh, it's not really the people from the community saying this. It's all these, like, middle-class Twitter people, blah, blah, blah. It's all... they're, They're just reveling in people destroying their neighborhood other people's destroying their own neighborhoods and you know if you talk to these cops they're like good guys and all it's just like jesus fucking christ man like you're not on the left i think that's a problem ultimately like and this is so confusing um but to, to be inside of but a lot of these people aren't really on the left but they claim to be they think that they are I mean, I think that's the real new manufacturing consent story is the political Mm -hmm. spectrum being shriveled up into nothing. Right. Pushed all the way to the right. And then people saying like, you know, at most, at best, like center right shit are considered to be on the left. Sorry. That's not like, that's not politics. That's regression. Like you're, you're just seeding ground constantly and he's not the only one. It's just. I have to hear about him all the fucking time and I fucking I'm fucking sick of it. Like um I'm not saying he does everything he does is bad. When I say he's mm-hmm. a hack what I mean is he's still carrying water for establishment. Right. Yeah. He
0: can't not be a hack in so far as he sort of supports like, implicitly a, a commercially oriented or advertising supported. Exactly. Like his magazine, right?
1: And allows right. himself like Jimmy Doors even on his show said like He's like, I asked Matt Taibbi, why do you let Rolling Stone put their fucking name on your podcast? Right. You don't need them. And it's like, he obviously likes the clout. Right. Okay. Then you're a fucking, you're a sellout. You're whatever you, I don't even know. None of these terms make sense anymore. Again, because nobody's on the left. Like, <laughs> it, It's just yeah. sort of evaporated. Um, yeah. And And then the people who like, are more, would be more communist, maybe just working class people. There's probably some potential there, definitely. But, you know, within the, I guess, academia, journalism, media space, like these sort of bourgeois institutions, like the people who would be more communist have just retreated into almost pure blind cynicism Mm -hmm. at the precise moment when we need actual leadership and we need people with fucking balls. Right and i just don't see it
0: and they're not even doing
1: theory either right and and that's, those those are sort of like to me two sides of the same coin right um and i don't i don't have a fucking solution i'm just saying like it scares the shit out of me because now you, you know if people are sitting here saying okay that's all well and good but who gives a fuck well the problem is that then we land where we are and where are we they cut the fucking unemployment insurance They cut the mortgage moratorium or rent moratorium, whatever, eviction moratorium. Um, They're not giving you a second check, apparently, Mm -hmm. or at least not yet. And you got Donald J. fucking Trump saying now he wants to take on income inequality. Why? Because the left opened the fucking door. The left, quote unquote, whatever. The Democrats opened the door for him doing that because they won't talk about anything. Mm hmm. And the only person I hear talking about this shit is Jimmy Dore. That's it. And I'm not, fuck, I'm not even venerating him. Like, you know, show me other people talking about it. I'll listen to them. But he's been consistent about this. Well, I am venerating him because he does talk shit to the right people and he doesn't back down. And that's admirable by any measure. But I'm just saying, like, it's not because he's a golden God. It's just because he's reading the fucking room the way it stands. Mm -hmm. And there's there's just so much fucking careerism still. I mean, again, we're in the apocalypse and this is still happening. Um, And so it will continue to happen. And without like a serious leftist challenge at some level, again, you know, we've talked about this at length. The only people I know who are making any goddamn sense anywhere near the left were the fucking militant black people in the streets after George Mm -hmm. Floyd listen to those live streams you want to hear what's going on in america they know what's going on in america mm-hmm. um and they'll tell you about it and so like the but that's we're all going to be in that situation soon. that's right. just that's just a you know you know i talk about letters from the future a lot but that's a letter from like three months from now six months from now yeah um there isn't going well, to be a fucking country left.
0: And that's what I was going to say. Maybe that's a good point to transition to that sort of – from this idea that is of there is no left and you land where you land without that theory and without that praxis mm-hmm. and without just – I mean the, the leadership, I should say. Um, what we end up with is – and and I should say the the journalists who are careerists and all they're interested in is sort of advancing their own sort of – I guess, brand, if you will, uh, you end up with an Alex Jones, right? Sort right. of leading people toward civil war or something. So mm. I think you got a clip you wanted to show.
1: Right. So as listeners know, I, I've listened to a lot of Alex Jones in my day and uh, <laughs> for lots of reasons, but like a lot of it's just fucking funny. But um, this, so I, I returned to it a little bit just because so he was off YouTube and so I wasn't seeing his clips. So I wasn't thinking about it. And then um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: people will upload his show uh, independently. And so YouTube was showing it to me. So I just happened to listen to this one on Thursday. Now this is just a, you know, this is going to be a minute or two clip from a two and a half hour show, but the shit he's talking about now is fucking crazy. Like he's on a whole nother level of, agitation for an uprising. turn this around did we sorry uh for agitating for an uprising so we'll just take
3: this in so you ready ready okay go so like churchill said there'll come a time when you got to fight when there's no chance of winning but it's better to die on your feet than on your knees as a slave we still have a big chance to win folks but we're we're entering that area where 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 it's going to mean physical conflict Just remember, high-value targets, ladies and gentlemen, and finding the people in command of these operations is not offensive. It is defensive. The best defense is offense once you enter a war. And notice what the globalists are attacking. Federal buildings, courthouses, the police, the lowest level of the government. Where there's still rule of law to some extent, they want to wipe that out to become it. <clears throat> and they want to intimidate through the UN Strong Cities Initiative that was set up by Obama and Loretta Lynch to have the police then, under a political overthrow of Trump, bow to them and submit to their list of demands. Then they will comb out, they've already said this in purge, any loyal Americans off the force and will quickly then replace them with the worst types of political operatives you can imagine and they will be coming to your home, and they'll have the cover of contact tracing, run the Clinton Foundation, and, and, and uh, other things. Obama's plan for a domestic military just as big, just as strong as the U.S. military. And you've seen the brutish, hateful, horrible behavior of these people all over the country. They're now in Austin, driving around in cars, blocking traffic, pointing guns at families, jumping on old ladies' cars and the police sit there and are ordered to stand down. Well, you shouldn't be standing down. If you got fired for that, the people would stand up for you. But we do have a criminal mayor that they now are gonna install for an illegal third term because it's the same move everywhere. And Soros has put his mayors and his prosecutors in almost every city. The Chicago Tribune did a big story on it. They're calling for the famous investigative journalist to be fired because he said Soros is financing lawlessness. It's true. He said, screw you, fire me if you want. John Koss defies Chicago Tribune cancel culture. I will not apologize for writing about Soros. Who do they prosecute? Shop owners that shoot back in New York, in St. Louis, in Chicago, in San Francisco. They're arresting people that shoot back. They're arresting people that defend their doorstep from a mob of people saying, we're going to kill you because you're white. So all I'm telling you is they are planning, it's already here, a hot communist takeover. And all of you would laugh, all oh, those little dumb commies and auntie, for the cops will deal with them. Really? When their commanders are the ones running it? When the mayors are the ones running it? You think that mayor in Portland got upset when he came out and praised them and said they were nonviolent and then they started attacking him? You think he got upset? No, he liked that. That shows his minions are so evil and so stupid that they saw an old white man and the government and they attacked it because they want to be that government. Their attack dogs are so mindless. They've been fed so much spiritual gunpowder that they're biting their own handlers. They like seeing their armies of scum swell out of control and be totally mindless. They'll be set up and they'll be flushed down the toilet later. Okay. Um,
1: He obviously goes on, but like, that's pretty extreme shit. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, you don't get much closer to call. I mean, he was calling for violence in, in a way he's calling right. a defense, but um, you know, I used to watch this and not even really understand wh- what the, honestly, I watched it like it was satire because it, yeah, an it, act. It, it kind of, especially in years past, it was much more, it wasn't dark in this way. like, um it was just funny because he was talking shit about the clintons and stuff and venerating trump like to this cartoonish degree um and he so he's been building toward this t- type of thing for years but now i like i i didn't really take it seriously when he would tell people what to do like he used to be like okay call it. And he says it in this video too, I think, but like share this with all your friends and all your relatives and on Facebook and email this to everybody. And he's serious. Like he, and there are people who go do it. Right. And so you can see why this is appealing. Like it it sounds horrifying to us as, you know, people who are not like in this world in a serious way. Um, but you could see the appeal, like the draw, the high drama and the sense of purpose. And like, mm-hmm. he is literally claiming, I didn't play like the the previous part, but he's referring when he's talking about the, all these minions and people driving around in trucks and shooting at bi- white people or whatever he's saying. He's talking about Antifa and quote unquote, you know, this is what he's, this is his claim, not mine, but, uh, Antifa and like, that they're backed by these sort of like clandestine, you know, George Soros funded operations to try sure. and start a civil war. Now, as exciting as a hot communist takeover sounds to me. <laughs> um I like that, too. <laughs> he what he means is a hot war. Like he means he's saying that they're literally going to start trying to take cities by force. Whoever these "quote unquote" communists are, Um, and he's trying to obviously agitate, mobilize people to "quote unquote" unquote be ready for this, Mm -hmm. but you know that's just uh, whatever, Um, uh, red herring or whatever. Like he, he's he's bullshitting. Like he's telling them to go do this shit, or if it looks like it's happening because again he's he's not saying wait necessarily even wait until they've taken over or are trying to and there's already a war he's saying they're going to start this war so obviously the implication is to prevent that war he's dog whistling for them to go just start attacking people and people are right. being attacked in the street right. um by the right
0: when yeah. the federal government's not in portland even
1: right like in yeah. uh, in austin i think that guy just he drove into a crowd and then killed somebody who had a gun um and and so like the like you're saying it's a a left without theory and history opens the door for this like um and you know i i i don't i'm not by any means claiming that because Alex Jones is doing this, it's going to kick off some bullshit. I, I don't, I think it'll be very insofar as that happens at all, it, it will be pretty small in scale. Um, it'll be a bunch of like lone wolf types cause they're not, mm-hmm. I guess, thankfully he's not trying to organize people into cadres or, you know, like actually do paramilitary organizing at least not that I'm aware of, at mm-hmm. least not publicly. Um, and and so he can kind of get away with doing this in the way he's doing it, and the only people who really go for it are pretty fucking crazy and, like, lone wolf and shit. Um, and then he can kind of write that off to, like, whatever. Like, it's sort of a calculated risk. Um, but the fact that he can say this shit, and it, it sounds probably orders of magnitude less crazy than it sounded uh, in 2016 or 2015 means like things have radically shifted and opened up. And uh, unfortunately like th- it's just a sign of things getting worse in terms of the social fabric being destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the scary part is if you listen to like more of it, he's not wrong about certain things. Like mm-hmm you know fascists always use i'm not saying he's a fascist he's not that's not really what he's after but um the right wing will sort of inter, you know interweave lies with truths and because they're trying to inflame people and manipulate them in a certain way and the left does that has done that historically as well i, I suppose but um in our time there the right is where it most of this is located uh at scale and so The scary part is, again, the left is not capitalizing on what they know to be true, which is the economic instability, the fact that, like, like all sort of signs of a civilized society are being very, you know, increasingly quickly eroded and tampered with and destroyed Um, with no leadership or even quasi leadership on the left. People like Alex Jones get more of a foothold
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and. He's not, and, and I should say, this is just what I'm familiar with. I mean, he's probably not even close to the worst on the right. Like he, he's just kind of honestly on the, in terms of like the right, the spectrum of the right wing, he's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm sure you could find much darker and more horrifying uh, positions, yeah. you know, very easily. Um, but he does have a massive platform and he's built out his own network, like the fact like we're talking about he owns the satellites, he owns the fucking towers, I believe um because like he knew they would try to take him out and it take him off the air, which th- he was right about that um, and so like the the left wing sort of DIY build your own networks, decentralized shit, like he did it. He mm-hmm. took those ideas and made them tangibly real and now has right. this massive platform. People make right. fun of them for selling supplements. It's like the left should be doing that shit too. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck not? And so like where we're headed is, and, and I don't see much hope at this level, given what's happened over the last year, especially if the left does not figure out a way to start capitalizing on what's happening in so far as, and when I say capitalizing from the left perspective, capitalizing on this simply means, you know, like I've talked about before, like Zizek says, the best parts of Lenin are a principled opportunism where you just Mm. sort of read the, read the field. And I mean, Trotsky, you know, did this as well. Um, You read the field and you see where there are openings to, to work in the direction of leftist goals. Um, If the left's unwilling to do that, ultimately, uh it won't matter if we have better intentions and better politics because we won't have the power and leverage to be able to enact anything and without that power and leverage none of it means anything right um so like it, it's just it's just imperative and and again I don't anything can happen I'm very open to that I I don't I don't, as much as we're right on this show, I don't think like predicting the future is a real thing, just doing the math most of the time. But I just don't see any bright spots on the left again, except for the people in the streets uprising. But it shouldn't even, it's almost like it's not even, it shouldn't even be their responsibility to have sort of built out the infrastructure to support those types of eruptions. Um, like what i mean you know i've been talking about S- south africa a lot the last couple of months but fuck people aren't even comparing this to the civil rights movement it's like mm-hmm. they have a they had a model fuck even if you don't like the black panthers which you should um look at how the how snick Organize themselves. Look at how clergy organized themselves. Right. Um, look at how they they did folk schools where they did nonviolent resistance training in a very highly tightly organized way, um, and this went on for like a decade before the civil. Well, maybe not a decade, but for years before the civil rights movement, you know, well and fully kicked off. Those things are not happening. I mean, there's a lot of shit that people are trying to do, but it's not coordinated. And yeah. there's no sense of like, okay, we need a sort of unified, at the very least, coalition, if not central organization to distribute resources and coordinate things at scale, which maybe brings us to Bolivia. So I'll let you respond before I get into
0: that. Yeah, no, I was just going to say too, to that to that point, um, you know, I've been trying to it's been on hold because of uh, political campaign, uh, coronavirus, and all that. But I was—I've been really doing a lot of work on Medicare for all locally, and trying to organize a community around that. And to your point, um, I thought you know an obvious sort of low-hanging fruit uh, direction to go there is to try to organize uh, the, the clergy, right? Some of the some of the Protestant, but Catholic even uh, ministers, uh, certainly the, the local synagogue uh, and uh, the sort of i guess the in the muslim i guess it's not a church but the the muslim space um mosque Sorry. and no 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 problem i really struggled to do that you know not even i was thinking about what you said about journalists and wanting to not be not be too too sacrilegious but uh say that it's the same amongst the clergy it seems where they they're careerists they're thinking about their own pocketbooks a lot of them and they won't even get involved in these potentially uh thorny political issues on the left even though jesus was a healer you can literally help people who have nothing etc if you would try to help organize in this way a medicare for all sort of thing even at the local level and where the where's the organizing happening amongst say clergy it's on the right right in the exact mm, ironically yeah, exactly. or the opposite direction. um and that's and that's just another signal, signal or symptom of kind of where we're at on the left. And it's and it's, it's just a disaster. And um, and it doesn't well for the things you're about to discuss, including I mean not just human rights, civil rights stuff, but what happens to the election? Is there going to be pushback that's moved or canceled? Right? And I don't think there will. Yeah.
1: Right. There's no there's no mass organization, right, capable of it. Like. Right. I mean, I have way more criticisms of DSA now than I did when they first emerged in 2016. But my big one at the time was, why aren't, I've talked about on the show, why the fuck aren't you making your single issue Medicare for all? Right. You have 3 million members in a year. And like, they're writing fucking, they're doing write-ups on groups that have DSA as though it's a political force when they have 60,000 members nationally. Like are you fucking serious? Uh SDS in 2008 who was getting zero write-ups anywhere. We probably had that without really even trying right. to do numbers. Right. <clears throat> and we coordinated mass like um you know, for better or worse, whatever, like, mass days of action against the war coordinated across universities all over the country. Like, DSA can't even pull that fucking shit off. Yeah. So, like, I think there's clout chasing there. I think that's a lot of, like, even maybe what I'm seeing as being attributed to DSA really isn't DSA. And it's just it's actually probably just, you know, people on the street who are um, fed the fuck up, as they should be. Right. So, in a strange historical parallel um i'm gonna read part of this uh, left voice article so the massive assembly in Bolivia calls for a general strike against election post moment by coup government a march a thousand this is from July thirtieth a march of thousands of people to uh Ceja de. El Alto in Bolivia culminated in a massive assembly to demand that the general election take place September 6th as originally planned. A large coalition of working-class sectors resolved to go on an indefinite general strike until the Supreme Electoral Tribunal, TSE, lifts the coup, coup government's new postponement of the elections. On July 28, a massive march was held by the Central Central... Oh, God. Do I do this with an accent? I'm going to try. Central (laughs) uh, Obrera Boliviana, along with various workers, peasants, and indigenous organizations to demand that the Supreme Electoral Tribunal Bolivia reinstate the general elections for September 6th. On July 23rd, TSE announced that it would postpone the elections for the fourth time this year, consolidating the coup government's hold on power under the pretext of taking extreme measures to combat the spread of COVID-19 in the country. In La Paz, the march started in Senkata and reached El, El Ceja del Alto. A massive assembly took place, led by various groups such as the Tupac, Tupac Qatari Federation, the uh, IEAS, uh, Indigenous Community Organizations of... Of Norte Potosí groups, groups of factory workers and miners, and the Bartolina Sisa organization of peasant women and neighborhood councils. Similar mobilizations were carried out in other regions across the country to demand elections to continue on schedule. in Al- In the Alto Assembly, COB leader Juan Carlos uh, <laughs> hur- hur- huarach Horrachi. Hu- fuck. <clears throat> I've been in the white man's world too long. Huarachi (laughs) took the floor to call on the TSE to overturn the resolution that postponed the election until October 18th within 72 hours. He announced an indefinite general strike with mobilizations and blockades in many departments until the postponement of the elections is reversed. The massive mobilization showed that the peasant popular and worker sectors believe that the deep socio health crisis in the country can be solved through fair elections. The candidate of the movement to socialism, MAS, that's, um, uh, what's his, uh, Lanara and, uh, who's a, who's a ex prime minister, the leader of the,
0: oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm forgetting the name too.
1: Look, he's been erased from our memories, but, um, <laughs> Anyway, the president who was deposed, um, uh, but they, they, they. Anyway, MAS is putting oh, up a n- new Lula da
0: Silva. That's not him. No, no, no. no.
1: That, that's Brazil. It's <laughs> br- Brazil. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but the so the same party, the candidate of the Movement to Socialism, uh, Luis Arce Caracora, has the electoral support of these sectors largely in response to the racist coup leaders that currently control the government. Meanwhile, in the midst of the pandemic, self-proclaimed president. Uh, Janine Añez and her ministers have made it very clear that they have taken the power of the state solely for the for profit and put it at the service of their own class interests. 100 days after imposing a militarized quarantine, the government continues to systematically refuse to implement mass testing. For weeks now we've seen daily reports and dozens of dozens of deaths um with bodies being collected in the streets. So the people of Bolivia are mourning their loved ones while living in fear of their own government's inhumane policies. Um, I'm going to skip some of this because they're just talking about how they've used COVID-19 to weaponize against the people. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Oh, and it was Evo Morales, by the way.
1: Evo, there we go. To, yeah. um, just fast-forwarding here. The strategy that MAS maintains... Uh, through bureaucracies of the social organizations and unions is leading to the coup, leading the coup leaders to continue supporting themselves, while the position of MES itself are weakened. We defend the democratic rights of workers in the countryside and the city, working class sectors, peasants and indigenous people deserve to have elections. However, we call for the direction of that energy toward defeating the coup leaders who are making a deadly pandemic worse for millions of working and poor people to that end. We must demand the immediate nationalization without compensation of the private clinics and the centralization of the health system under the democratic control of the workers. Healthcare resources must be used to save lives and not save the businesses of the private sector. We must democratize this fundamental, right? People's lives are at stake to make this urgent demand viable. It is necessary to form the broadest, coordination of sectors of health workers, cleaning workers, peasants, um, cleaning workers, workers, peasants, indigenous people, people's women, students, and neighborhood councils to impose a way out in the struggle so that the tremendous capitalist and health crisis that we have on our backs is not paid for by the working people, but by the rich and by the capitalists. First of all, we cannot not even imagine any political organization in America saying anything like that. Right uh literally like no one is we used to talk about nationalizing the health care system
2: mm-hmm.
1: back in the day before obama even that was sort of that was the talking point even mo- among liberals um but now it's totally off the table uh literally totally off the fucking table mm-hmm. bernie sanders backs joe biden joe biden won't back medicare for all the corrupt DNC voted down a proposal to include Medicare for All even in their fucking platform, which isn't yeah. a promise to do shit, but just to say anything. Again, Medicare for All is not nationalized healthcare. It is, it's a compromise we've all agreed to as a means to sort of, you know, function as like a pseudo coalition. But the Democratic Party gives no, gives absolutely no fucks about you, your family. If you have, if you go into, if you go bankrupt from medical debt, or if you can even get any care at all, but Bolivia, this supposed third world country, has a much more vibrant democratic uh, culture, at the very least. Obviously, uh, a coup took place, backed by the U.S. in part, um, and so they they don't currently have a representative government, but they at least have a democratic culture on the fucking streets to demand, f- f- in a class based analysis. Like what's required of the country to survive the crisis and with the people intact. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we can't imagine a fucking general strike anyway, let alone a general strike as a result of an election postponement. And so the question, I believe you raised this question in a way anyway, is... What happens if the elections postpone in America? It ain't going to mm-hmm. be this. I wish that it was, but it's right. That, that's not where we fucking live. Um, we'll probably see marching and, uh, you know, at best we'll see more rioting and shit, but
0: right. A lot of Facebook outrage. <laughs>
1: yeah. Lots of tweets, lots of fucking hot takes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not puzzling, but it is shocking. Um, To see the difference between, you know, in this, like, when I say the 60s, I'm not talking about the stupid hippie shit. I'm talking about the actual just, like, organized labor and organized civil rights movement. Right. um, Doing a lot of shit that's, like, much more dangerous even than any of the rioting that goes on now as far as danger to the people doing it. Yeah without cameras everywhere, without like, you know, there, I don't know if people even know this, but like, there were a lot of like young Jewish people who went to the South and who just got murdered for marching with black people for basic Mm -hmm. rights and their names are basically forgotten, like, and including priests, priests aren't Jewish, but you see what I'm saying? The the white people in Mm -hmm. solidarity. Right they just get they'd get lynched along with everybody else um mm-hmm. left in a fucking ditch never to be heard from again like the the level of this is something chomsky used to talk about a lot just like basically like you know on other countries that are much less have much many less democratic rights formal democratic rights like the levels of risk they engage with to push back against the state to just even publish shit And then they have to sit in a goddamn Turkish dungeon. They just accept that as a fact of life. Like this is the work and this Mm -hmm. is like, they don't think about it. They don't worry about it. Um, But, you know, everything's been pushed so far to the right in America, even, even and maybe especially culturally that like people are so concerned with their own comfort in their own, like. I mean, it's a combination of that as a kind of cultural thing about like, fuck, fuck it. Like we're all individuals, all this like hyper neoliberal shit Mm -hmm. coupled with the fact that, you know, people truly are brutally exploited and are working all the time and are economically highly precarious and have no job security and there's no organized labor and stuff. So I don't mean to say that people aren't getting fucked. I'm saying like. I I think basically it's a bugaboo. Like Chomsky was just less, he should have just been more ruthless and said, the only reason you're saying that is because you're a middle-class white person and you're afraid to jeopardize your own career. And that's why Mm. you're afraid. Um, But just the hyper depoliticization, which now is sort of rearing its ugly head, the return of the repressed of that is the Alex Jones clip we listened to. Right. Absolutely. And so like, yeah uh massive civil unrest is coming like i mm-hmm. i think oh, i made a comment to someone the other day i was like i think we're already in a revolution it's just not the one that we want and i don't yeah. know the character of that but it, it does it is a terrifying prospect
0: mm-hmm. i would only add to that that i was reading something today and you and i off mic were talking about uh you know you send your kids to school et cetera. what do you do with this COVID stuff as september rolls around and I was reading a story, uh, I think it was an op-ed in maybe the New York Times by a guy who was a superintendent at some sort of poorer uh, district in Arizona or something like that in the South, maybe New Mexico. And he was saying, look, this is a horrible idea. I've been a superintendent, you know, an educator for 30 years, and I have no idea what's going to happen, but I think this is a bad idea. Nobody knows what to do, right? And we're supposed to, but we have no idea because um, obviously the the virus is, is making everybody sick and the kids or the parents of the kids that we see they have no health insurance, right? Mm. And for so many of these kids, this school we have we feel like we have to go open for the, the parents because the parents need to go to work because they don't have access to childcare. And because the parents need to work or they'll be fired from their jobs, right? And these kids, so many of these kids, ninety percent of them are on free and reduced lunches, right? So for so many kids, this school is how they get fed, right? Mm. And so I was just thinking about that, and the, the the author didn't go in this direction, but you pointed it out in, in what you were just saying about how the sort of neoliberal economics is at the base of all this. And and that example points to it, where you have people have no health insurance, the austerity of the system is sort of underfunding schools who can't even afford to, to pay teachers what they deserve to be paid. The parents can't lose their job or they have to go to work in unsafe conditions because if they don't get fired, um, nobody has any food security. Uh, they don't have access to health care. I'm sorry, um, to child care. Right. I mean, all these things are of a piece and it's all a result of austerity and neoliberal economics after 40 some years. And it is also, to your point, depoliticized people where they're not even convinced that they they're. Their actions will make a difference if they get organized and or they're just they're too distracted or afraid to do anything because they have all this shit going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And and so the virus has sort of laid bare the ways in which this uh, neoliberal economics is is basically done for, right? It's unsustainable, and it's the revolution that you're pointing. I mean, it's coming to an end. Now, the outcome of that is we don't know, but it can't be sustained anymore, and there's going to be something very massive that has to happen as a result, and we hope it's more to the left, uh, but there's no leadership there, and it seems to be going more, unfortunately, in a rightward direction.
1: Exactly. Well, yeah, which, like Anna and Dasha were saying a few weeks ago, Don't kill yourself yet. Something more retarded will happen. (laughs) Right. Uh, To that end, Uh, this article... Oh, did you have something else to say? No, no, no. This article from Bloomberg from August 1st, (laughs) Trump suggests he might want to take on economic inequality. President Donald Trump suggested he might be interested in pushing for a policy that addresses the widening income gap in the U.S., but didn't suggest a plan. Trump commented in a recent in a retweet about how much some prominent billionaires have increased their net worth during the coronavirus pandemic, while tens of millions of Americans have lost their jobs. Trump tweeted a Business Insider graphic and video that compared the 40 million Americans filing for unemployment during the pandemic to billionaires whose net worth, according to the video, increased by half a trillion dollars. I actually agree with this, Trump tweeted. Too much income disparity. Changes must be made, and soon... At least one of Trump's regular foils, Jeff Bezos, uh, CEO of Amazon and publisher of the Washington Post, was featured, as well as Tesla CEO Elon Musk. The video also claimed that casino magnate Sheldon Adelson, a large donor to Republican causes, saw his net worth swell by $5 billion during the pandemic. The Bloomberg Rich List, though, shows Adelson's fortune down $11 billion for the year to date. Some economists have said that income disparity in the u.s became worse after the 2017 republican tax law championed by trump which cut the top top tax rate for high income earners okay so obviously trump's um you know being cynical in a way but mm-hmm. again he's just doing what we always see him doing which is running to the fucking left at the democrats right. Right. so all this stuff you talked about like these impossible deadlocks. Like if you don't send kids to school, do the kids eat? Um right. are the parents able to go to work because they don't have childcare other than the school. Um these very real problems as you point out, which are the product, intentional product of uh neoliberal economics, the the fact that there's a fucking power vacuum and there's a political vacuum Allows for Trump to run to the fucking left of the Democrats again. What mm-hmm. Democrat is talking about income inequality except Bernie Sanders, who is who has you know committed political suicide for the second time in five years? It, it's not. It's not even. It's literally not even on the fucking table. They won't even yeah. put it in the platform. It right. gets voted down massively. Like Jimmy Dore's interviewing this guy who has had try to push a bill within the DNC. Um, I don't know if it was the platform committee, but like something like that. Oh no, it was in the rules committee where he was trying to get them to vote on a resolution to ban all super PAC money from the DNC or something. And they tabled the vote. And then it was brought up again for discussion and it was voted down like 105 to 45 with eight abstentions. And then he pointed out that the, supposedly there, there's basically like, there's all these elected uh people within the DNC elected by the demo, by the voters supposedly at some, to some degree, but then there's 75 at large delegates who are all just basically chosen by the DNC to do the most corporate shit ever. So literally they don't give a shit about anything that has anything to do with your life. Like they don't, they're not on your fucking side. I mean, the Medicare for all thing is so nuts of Democrats support Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. And it got voted down against something similar, like 105 to 50 or some shit. Insane. I mean, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. Don't vote for them because who gives a fuck? (laughs) Right.
0: And the the ultimate insult was didn't they take out the, uh, uh, not even medical, the marijuana legalization from the platform Mm -hmm. too?
1: And, Oh, oh, And Joe Biden, uh, Jimmy Dorf's pointing has been pointing this out for a couple of weeks. Hillary Clinton said we should lower the Medicare age to 50. Joe Biden yeah. won't even go to 55. We are <laughs> fucking going backwards. We're going more to the right now. Yeah. So don't yeah. vote for these people because well, who gives a fuck? Yeah, and that's
0: I think you sort of gestured to this earlier without, I mean, signaling you want the right to sort of take over <laughs> more than it already has. But I was going to say... Back in the 19th century, I was thinking about this. Otto von Bismarck was chancellor of Germany, right? And he, you know, this sort of warmonger.
1: Friend of the show. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) That was essentially how Germany early on sort of led the way in Europe, continental Europe, of getting everybody health care. That was an Otto von Bismarck plan to, like, give everyone access to doctors, right? Unbelievable. paid for by the state and i was thinking to myself didn't you he know wear what? a
1: spike hat i mean that's <laughs> he did okay it's
0: beautiful yeah in, c- in case you ever need to
1: it's like a guar you know, thing okay that's right headbutt your opponent
0: um <laughs> <laughs> but i mean in my depression that's what i'm thinking is like god damn it you know even when trump is sort of uh i guess toyed with that medicare for all language too and you mentioned the sort of catholic conservatives and taking care of the poor like that's is that the only way we're going to get this is some autocrat on the right says fine you can all have medicare but then they sort of take away all your rights like that might right. be the only way we do it oh, and that's, 100%. that's insane
1: 100 percent. yeah no i to answer your half question no i don't want the right to take over <laughs> right that's why i'm so pissed off at the democrats and everybody right. else on the fucking left and all these goddamn media hacks but um i don't want them to take over but to your point they will that's the only right. way we're going to get this shit and right. we might not even get it through them i mean america's yeah. so far to the right but right but yeah i don't see it no again nobody else is fucking talking about it like mm uh adam mckay the director he directed like the big short and the other guys and stepbrothers Mm -hmm. and stuff um he was being interviewed on Chapo, and one of the things he said that was really interesting was he was saying like how like you know the last 20 years especially this is like the age of like information war and nobody's really talking about nobody's telling the story of like how much that shit just um it 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 just dominates reality and like mm-hmm. he was even talking about Edward Bernays he was sort of being a little more um i think it was oh no that was on a different terrible podcast uh mm-hmm. they were talking about Bernays but it's it's related in so far so like a uh, highly recommended uh to anybody listening to this to if you haven't watched the century of self uh Adam mm-hmm. Curtis's four part BBC documentary that should be on YouTube yep um Where he goes to great lengths um, to talk about the sort of the history of advertising and how Freud's a lot of Freud's ideas were um, sort of retooled by his, his what nephew or something. I think so. Who came to America and started working in the, or invented or whatever the PR industry. And he, he, there are my favorite like moment in that, that I recall from that um documentary or film was when like Bernays called Freud and he was basically like, "Hey, man, if we just you if we sort of like tinker with this, we can make a lot of fucking money like these Madison Avenue assholes will pay us a lot of money, and Freud was mm-hmm. horrified like he yeah. wanted nothing to do with it um Unfortunately, he probably should have gotten his hands around it because um, we all paid the price, you know, because Hitler, that was Hitler. I mean, Hitler learned all of his Hitler learned, you know, this isn't discussed in, you know, the post 90s, like World War Two, where the heroes like fake narrative. But Hitler copied the concentration camp model from the American uh, Indian reservation model. He took the PR. All those PR tricks invented by American, like Madison Avenue psychopaths using Freud's ideas and, you know, tried to whatever, destroy modern civilization or whatever was his endgame. Like the Holocaust is Edward Bernays' fault. And so Mm -hmm. like... The but but Curtis's point was or I'm sorry Adam McKay's point was that um, basically like there's such a high level of manipulation going on all the time that we're constantly being bombarded with that really isn't taken account of. I was critical of Matt Taibbi, you know, and and to be totally fair, Matt Taibbi is much less destructive than probably ninety percent ninety five percent of all journalists, but. Um, I was speaking more within the, you know, the context of the left itself. That's where my criticism lies. But the more, the broader, um, manipulation that goes on within journalism, like another thing that nobody talks about except fucking Alex Jones and Jimmy Dore is that Obama signed a law that made government propaganda legal again. So the government mm. can feed fake news into the media. And that's not illegal, but it it had been previously illegal, been made illegal. Um, so when we're talking about CIA talking points, that's not a bluff. Those are literally right. the CIA is feeding bad intel into journalists' ears, and journalists are just regurgitating it mm-hmm. whole cloth. Um in exchange for access or whatever. And so the journalists are the ones who are Seeding the ground for everything that happens one way or another. Right. Which is why journalism post neoliberal times has been turned into this sort of like venerated profession, which in the day, journalists used to be considered scum, not by me, but by capitalists, because they were muckrakers. They were trying to fuck up business. They were trying Mm -hmm. to tell the truth, at least on paper. Uh and so like the, you know, this is like the big example was, and this wasn't even, I don't even think this was the 2003 Iraq war. I think this was the 91 Iraq war where Chomsky would talk about how Thomas Friedman, if you apply the same, um, if you apply the same standards used at Nuremberg, Thomas Friedman would have been executed for war crimes because he was more mongering. He mm-hmm. was planting either fake stories or stories that were Mm -hmm. trying to get the U S to fucking invade Iraq. Mm -hmm. That's who these people are. That is who the establishment media is. That's why Jeff Bezos bought the Washington post and Jeff Bezos also does these huge fucking DOD contracts and CIA contracts for Amazon web services. Why? Because he's getting the government money, and then he's spinning the bullshit and controlling the narratives because he wants to control the fucking world. Because that these people are fucking cartoon comic book villains in real life, in real time, right here. He's Lex. You know, he's Lex Luthor, except he's a, a pussy. He's a I was pussy. Just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he looks just like Lex.
1: Yeah. Um. Except somehow, so unhealthy. How do you look that unhealthy when you have that much money? You can you like, you're. We all know you're drinking baby's blood, right? At the fucking. And when you're worshiping Moloch, allegedly. Um. <laughs> anyway, so your your youth, your nightmarish evil youth serum, or you know, fountain youth serum doesn't work. But right. um, the point I'm making is like, I think that is a crucial fucking point about like why. It, yes, the media is bad, and there's all this fake news. Um, but why is that a problem? Because it defines the limits of reality for us. Right. It determines to a much greater degree than it should. Um, or, if we had a real press, it would open things up rather than constrain reality. Right. But effectively, it constrains reality into like what we're sort of what we're uh, prompted to triggered to respond to and how, and how we think about the world and what the meaning Mm -hmm. of the possible is. Like McKay was saying that all the, like that it, it, he, I don't remember the quote, but like basically like that. It's very weird to him that people talk about branding like them, like in their own lives or in their Mm -hmm. own, you know, um, social media presence, because those are like boardroom terms. Like that's corporate speak about, he he was talking about how in the he was saying even when he made Anchorman that was supposed to be about like a satire about how stupid the news has become. Right. Um but he was saying that like he remembers when all those consultants would like or maybe his friend who worked in the news, um, they brought in all these consultants in the eighties and nineties and like were telling people to change all their hairstyles and do all this shit to like basically sanitize and corporatize all of the newsrooms and all broadcast and so like
0: even the weather people
1: right and so like all of that shit you know we live in the fucking fallout from that nightmare um that was allowed to happen because the left was systematically destroyed by business interests you know again post 1968 uh, Mm -hmm. because they saw the threat that it posed to business as usual and it was unacceptable uh, and that's why you get the rise of these sort of th- these. You know, it's so weird, and I mean this aesthetically as well as politically, and just maybe even ethically. It's so weird to venerate people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and um, Bezos. Like <clears throat> with Jobs, I, I I've been sort of, I'm sort of like torn about Jobs a little bit because on the one hand, I do think he's just like a hustler. And that's, you know, that's fine on its own terms. But, like, that's not somebody who should be venerated by anybody um, Mm -hmm. as, like, some paragon of something to aspire to. But one thing he did do that none of these other tech companies are capable of doing, with a maybe slight exception of Google, is he actually made shit that worked. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think... I attribute that to the fact that he was actually like an immigrant, like that he actually kind of had like sort of a, he had an actual vision of something to do and it. He wanted to make it actually happen. Not just, not just purely steal everyone's money all the time, Mm -hmm. which he also did. But I'm just saying like, but besides that sort of like qualified exception, all of these other assholes, like nobody's happy with Amazon no one is happy with it they use it because in some ways it's easier and supposedly it's cheaper but beyond that like nobody really no nobody's like oh this is um this is really making my life better this is really right. helping me like it's all and, and musk is just running a fucking tax scam mm-hmm. like these people aren't geniuses they aren't better, you know. They're, they're all they're better at is being ruthless. Fucking Elon Musk's dad owned an, literally owned an emerald mine in South Africa. Again, cartoonish villains, like, what are what in the actual shit are we talking about here? So he's the Riddler now. <laughs> he's too stupid to be the Riddler. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> I guess ideally I don't even know who he is but I don't yeah he's he's worthless is the point um <laughs> but like anyway I I'll I'm just this is just like I was just supposed to be an example of like how warped reality has become from all of this you know um massive media penetration like I don't like that Peter Genderloose guy all that much but I was watching some video last night and he, or the other night and he made some okay points about how like one point in particular about how like social media is not voluntary. Like we're told it's voluntary, Mm -hmm. but if you're not on it, you're basically like unemployable. Yeah. And so it's like, um, i th- I think that's important, like that's a very like it's almost a simple point, but it's very important to keep in mind like we are not choosing any of this that's why I hate when people talk about echo chambers. I'm like nobody fucking chose this all and most people choose who to follow or who to mm-hmm. fucking like on Facebook. That's not the same thing as creating an echo chamber mm-hmm. um it uh, on a similar note like a better example of like how controlled we are would be um Liz on Truanon was pointing out how the you know fracking um oil and gas fracking that was America's jobs program that was Obama's jobs program
2: mm-hmm.
1: um which is exactly how it should be understood you had a few thousand people or i don't know how many people let's say maximum 60 to 100,000 people employed by this industry that's cash flow negative, meaning it costs more money to pull out of the ground than energy you get burning it. And yeah. you have to sell it for less than you it costs to pull it out of the ground. Max, that's right. Max Kaiser um, has been talking about that for years, but he added recently a key point, And he's probably said it before, but maybe I just didn't put it together that like the purpose of doing that, like as a business, why would you do that? The reason was the Fed had to print all this money to prop the economy up, but the money needed somewhere to go. So they literally burned it. They burned the money. Yeah. And so um, they literally destroyed the money in order to, you know, whatever, keep this scam, this fucking Ponzi scheme afloat for a few more years.
0: At the same time as they destroyed the planet even further.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and, and there's new evidence in the last year demonstrating that tying directly the increase in fracking to the explosion in climate change over the same period so um again who in the fuck is talking about this nobody like not in the mainstream media i have to go on the. i have to go to like youtube to get news like that's that's apocalyptic enough Mm -hmm. um but like These are massive stories with huge implications. And the only people talking about it are Internet weirdos. Right. Like us, I guess. Like, that's where we fucking live. And so you can see that's why anybody who's like, oh, how could people vote for Trump? Or how could people listen to Alex Jones? Because anybody giving you the semblance of the truth and trying to draw out implications, even if they're lies is much more appealing than some asshole pretending to fucking somebody who clearly thinks he's better than you. Right. Lying to your face and you, you both know it. Like as they
0: take a paycheck from GE or NBC, right? Or whatever. And,
1: and the fossil fuel industry <laughs> yeah. and the fucking pharma, big pharma. Like, right. It's all sold off. We're all, you know, we're going to come out of this COVID shit if we ever do, if there's still a country at all. And it's all going to be owned by 10 people. Mm. And that'll just be the end of it. And then it's probably French Revolution time or something. I I mean, but again, like without the left's, without the left weight, it's fucked up that people call themselves woke because they need to wake the fuck up. Mm. I've never seen people so cucked in my goddamn life. As the woke left. And so, like, it, it, I don't give a shit who it comes from. I mean, I think the only places it could come from are young young people, people of color, and women. You know, what I've always said, the actual proletariat. But, like, w- without that, ha- people doing it themselves and trying to figure a way to penetrate any of this, pierce the veil in a serious way, we end up with Alex Jones's future. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a nightmare, you know, whether, whether he wishes us actual harm or not, the people who would really get behind that and the the dark forces that would back that shit, like the, you're all cannon. We are all cannon fodder in that scenario. Um, And who's going to end up on top is not like whatever, like weird, like George Soros shit he's talking about. It's going to be the same assholes. um, But, you know. A lot of fucking blood spilt in the process and nobody owning their home in the end of it. Right.